Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that we find ourselves in the house of the Lord. Thank you that we're gathered with those who love you and who you died for and who you saved and who you're bringing into heaven. Your salvation, a gift of God and not through works that no one should boast. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word. The full counsel of what is in the Bible are things that you have not just put there by mistake or by accident or even by luxury. It's not a fanciful existence. It's a real reality that is sinister and wicked And we pray that today we might be aware of these things as we come to the house of God to listen to the word of God so that it would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we not be estranged or surprised by the wickedness that comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy the things you desire to give us. So allow your word to be a double-edged sword sharper than to penetrate and divide between the spirit and the soul, to bring light in a place of darkness, to bring understanding where there's confusion, and allow us to be prepared to walk in your purpose and provision, that your word might be a good seed planted in good hearts to give forth a fruit of righteousness that glorifies your name. We thank you for your word. We ask you to bless it and that it not return void. Fulfill your purpose through your word coming into our lives and that we might proclaim your word to the ends of the earth so that all men might be saved, that all men might be freed. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Every person, and this is crazy, every day are confronted with the expression of evil. I sometimes wonder why the the powers of evil would even move over into the direction of some certain people. There used to be a young man that would come to church in a wheelchair and he was disabled from the neck down. He was born with infirmities where he could not move his feet, his hands. He was, he was limited to uh, a wheelchair. And I was thinking, why would the devil want him? And let me just tell you that that young man became a drug dealer. And you're like, crazy. He would become a pervert, a porn uh, corrupted with pornography. He was a porn dealer. And he was surrounded. He became the neighborhood uh, junkie that he was, he, since he wasn't going nowhere, they, they gave him the supplies and they made him the source of so much evil. And, and, and I continually question why the devil wants to creep in to the lives of people that seem insignificant, but the devil will take him. The devil will use him. The devil will, uh, uh, you know, captivate him, imprison him in darkness, and take him to hell. Some are inflicted 
by evil from the outside and some are inflicted from evil from the inside. It was years ago when this church first started that uh, we were about 15, 20 people. We were a small church 20 years ago. And it was a, a, a Thursday night prayer service. We used to have prayer on Thursday nights. And this girl comes in. She's 31 years old. And I was playing the guitar. And from the moment she came through the door, I said, holy, this is not going to be good. She looked like the girl from The Exorcist. And I knew that that night there would be a fight with wicked, wicked, twisted. You would have to see the movie, The Exorcist, to understand that. So as soon as I saw her come through the door, we were in a small room. And I said, oh my goodness, there's going to be a fight tonight. And I put my guitar down because I, I, when, when the church first started, we didn't have a lot of musicians. In fact, I don't think we had any. And I would lead worship. I led worship for two years when the church first started with my guitar. And so that night I was leading worship in the prayer service and I put my guitar down and this girl who was 31 came in and she was there with her mother. And I knew that if I didn't put my guitar down and if I kept on singing songs to the Lord that she was going to freak out and she was going to cause a scene. This evil was inside of her. And so I put my guitar down. I went over to her. I said, come to the back room. I took her into the back room with her mom. I said, listen, you have some serious problems. And she goes, what problems? I go, you're demon possessed. And she goes, I know, but nobody believes me. And her mom was right next to her, was taking her to psychiatrist to try and deal with this woman who was in the possession of many evil spirits, demons. And so I said, if you want, the devil stole your smile, but Jesus wants to give it back to you. And we'll pray for you in the name of Jesus, and every single one of these demons have to leave. And she looked at me and she goes, I want that. And they, and, and incidentally, it was a, a, a young man was there the previous week and we had prayed for him, um, got a phone call. And he says, they gave me your phone number. Are you Pastor Joaquin? I said, yes, I am. He says, uh, we called Derek Prince in North Carolina. He's a famous preacher, ministry. And I'm in Miami. And when I called him about deliverance and Getting freed from demons, they gave me your phone number. So they say, you're a man who prays. And I said, yeah, come over and we'll pray for you. So he came and, and we prayed for him. And also the, all those demons had to leave from his life. This guy was like six foot five. His name was Peter. And I said, I'm going to need help. So I called some of the men here at the church, some of the pastors and we prayed for him for three hours to get delivered from all that evil on the inside. So he told this young girl, Claudia, if you want to get help, go to this address and they'll pray for you and those demons will come out. So Claudia showed up that following week. And when I saw her, I said, oh, no. Here we go again. We took her into the back room. We said, we'll pray for you. I asked the mom, I said, look, when these demons come out, they, would, they try to find a place to go in. So, so you're going to have to sit outside while we pray for your daughter. And I was in there praying for her with my sister-in-law, uh, Karen. And, and Karen had never seen any of this stuff. 
I just said, you just be here and, and, and watch what's going to happen. Fasten your seatbelt. And I put my hands on that girl's head, and the Bible says that you will lay hands on people that are demon-possessed, and you will cast out demons in the name of Jesus. So I said, here we go. Father, in Jesus' name, I rebuke Satan over the life of Claudia. And there it happened for two and a half hours. She threw up. She threw up. She threw up. She twisted. That, that ugly demon at one point says, you guys cannot kick me out. And Karen goes, oh, yes, I can. I go, don't talk to the demon. <laughs> We're not here to talk to no demons. He wants to entertain you. We're, we're casting them out in the name of Jesus. And all those demons began to come out. All those demons became to come out. We were there for two and a half hours. She left that room with a smile on her face. The peace of God returned to her life. When she went back to Key Biscayne, because her father lived in Key Biscayne, he was the professional tennis coach of Gabriela Sabatini. You guys that know tennis know that she was an Argentinian world-class women's tennis champion. Her dad was, uh, uh, what's his name? Patricio. Patricio Ape. And he saw his daughter Claudia no longer demon-possessed. He was spending $1,500 on psychiatrists every week. Very wealthy man. A prominent man. And when he saw his daughter at 31, Claudia, she was totally set free from demons. He called me and he says, I want to have dinner with you. Because what you did for my daughter... My whole tennis team needs. <laughs> he had girls from Russia, from Ukraine, from Venezuela, from all over the world. He had like a big tennis academy here in Miami. And this was at the beginning of our church. And so I went to have dinner with him. He came to the Lord. He says, what you did for my daughter, I want you to do for all my tennis players. And so the following Sunday, he brought his whole tennis team to our church on Sunday morning. And they all received Jesus Christ. But that power of evil that is on the outside, and for some of us, it's on the inside. And we don't even know how it happened and how it got there. It's called the power of evil. And people do not want it in their lives, but they don't know how to get rid of it. And they're going to use natural means and they're going to try and do all sorts of things. But here, if we go to the Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse 21 tells us how we are to overcome evil. You have evil destroying your marriage. You have evil destroying your family. You have evil destroying your finances. You have evil destroying sometimes the church. We were talking about last week, a pastor was teaching a series on how to become the masterpiece of God. And then he goes and commits suicide. A pastor, 30 years old, he leaves his wife and three boys, eight, six, and five. And so you, you wonder how to overcome. And this is, I want you to memorize this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You don't have to allow things to run its course in the direction of evil. Don't let evil overcome you. But overcome, be victorious and triumphant over evil. And the only tool and instrument the Bible gives us to overcome evil is with good. So you have to find good, and good trumps evil. Good is able to replace those things in your life that are twisted and, and reckless and abandoned. 
See, when, when things are going bad is that evil is overcoming. And so I have a lot of people calling me all week long. Pastor, this is taking place. Pastor, this is going on. Pastor, I need help. Pastor, our family is going through this. My dad is going through that. My daughter's going through this. So all that they come and they talk about is all the evil that's going on. And I asked them a question. I said, this is not about evil. This is about the fact you don't have good going on. The, the thing is not that darkness has overshadowed you. The thing is there's no light. Because light prevails over darkness. Amen. See, every time I go into a room, it's super dark. But I go like that and flick the switch, and darkness leaves in a second. Amen. So my problem is not that there's darkness in my life. My problem is that there's no light. And I'm doing nothing about getting greater light because in the expressions of greater light, there's less darkness. The issue is not divorce. The issue is no light. The issue is not a rebellious child. It's that there's no light in their heart. Oh, darkness is overtaking the heart of your children. And so it becomes a joke until darkness completely devours your existence. And then that's the time where we cry. And we, we fall um, captive to the prisons of darkness. So that if we're going to go and overcome evil with good, that's where, I, I, and, and this is, there's only one source of good. If I were to tell you what's the address and phone number to the good that you go find, to deal with your evil. It's not a lawyer, it's not an accountant, and it's not the banker. It's not a loan. It's not money. The source of good is God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. He's the giver of all good things to all people in every place. He's a God that has the answer to the evil that is in our life. So good as a person, I want to suggest, like Derek Prince says, that evil is a person also. So that you don't think that evil is a thing. Evil is a person. And that person is Satan. And that power of good God against the power of evil Satan are at a constant war against one another. God is doing everything in his power to rescue you and the devil's doing everything in his power to destroy you. And if you're not prepared, you will be like our family. The Molina family was a good family. We didn't know Jesus, but the devil was picking us apart like a sniper. He was tearing apart my parents' marriage. He was tearing apart our family he was tearing apart everything that was a semblance of what God desired for us to enjoy. And so we know that the devil has been disarmed by Jesus at the cross. I love that cross. When the old movies. And you put up that cross, you're like, devil, you can't come here. You can't come here. There's a power greater than all your wicked filth. And it's that cross. And in the old movies, they put that cross up. People try to nail crosses all over their houses to keep the evil out. 
But the Bible says that soon, not only is he disarmed and defeated, Romans 16, 20. I just want to give you the future news of this devil. And the Bible says what is his future. The God of peace will crush Satan under our feet in a short time. This is what God's game plan is. From the beginning, he told Adam and Eve, he says, you will crush the head of Satan. And the devil has lifted himself as a huge uh, figure, and people are like scared. No hable del diablo. Don't speak of the devil. People don't like to talk about him. I, I rebuke him in Jesus' name. Amen. The power of God has given us uh, this authority to, to trample and to make... Uh, you know, to, to go into people like, well, like what happened with that young girl and, and Peter and Claudia, to tell the devil, leave them alone. And then the devil's going to ask you, who the heck are you, buddy? And you says, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. See, there you go. It's not me. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's Jesus. You cannot. You cannot stay there when Jesus is commanding you to leave. And so the Bible has given us the authority to be able to walk in that power. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, uh, Jesus gave his followers an incredible power. Behold, I give you the legal authority to trample these serpents and scorpions, say with me, and over all the power of the enemy. Say with me, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing, say nothing, shall by any means hurt you. The devil can't touch this. Nah, 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 nah. Can't touch this. Everything the devil has come to exert his wicked influence, he has one thing holding him back. And, and it's a, a person that is real about God. Real about a relationship with God, not in an uh, incredible strength of physical force. Every, every time in the last 20 years that I've preached a, 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 a sermon on spiritual warfare, it's not unusual to have somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, that's why I have a couple of grenades in my garage. And I'm like, oh, no. You don't fight these things with physical. You can't tell the devil, show up, I'm going to punch you. You better be equipped spiritually to kick the devil out of your house and out of your marriage and out of your children. Amen. You better be prepared to walk in Luke 10, 19. The authority to trample these evil things, serpents and scorpions, and all the power. I love that. All the power of the evil one. Evil is not a thing, it's a person. It's Satan who exerting his influence and, and his objective. Uh, Pastor, what is the devil's objective and how do you know? Because I keep on reading the Bible, my friend. And John 10.10 10 tells me he comes only to kill, to steal, and to destroy the thief does not come except he desires to steal from you. That means take what belongs to you. 
to kill you, to deprive you of having life, and to destroy you, to ultimately condemn you to hell. That's what he wants. He's, he's strategic. He's, he's like a, the greatest chess player that ever played chess. He's moving pieces in the right place to checkmate you. And then you feel you have to take your life because there's no way out. He's a liar. And then so you know what he's after. He comes to steal, deprive you of what God wants to give you. He wants to kill you, deprive you of life. And he wants to ultimately destroy you. He wants to take you with him to hell. And the greatest thing he has is having men believe he doesn't exist. The devil doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. The heaven doesn't exist. And you find yourself in hell, my friend. You find yourself in hell because you believed his lie and not God's truth. You, you had an ear for the devil's lie. And not a near for God's truth. But I have come. This is Jesus. So that you might have life. And that you have it in a more abundant measure. Whoever said that God comes to deprive you of living is a liar. I've never had a greater life until Jesus came into my life. Never had the dreams of the plans of God's purpose for my life. And my wife and my children and my future. His life is an abundant life. And, and out there the devil's having everybody believe that if they come to Jesus, he's going to deprive them, take away from them. It's not true, my friend. He'll give you a life you'll think you're dreaming. You'll think that you've died and gone to heaven already. We look for the Bible for further keys to overcome the wicked one. And the Bible says that, that we can move in that direction. Everything that comes forth as a description of evil is birthed out of Satan's dark kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. Depression, deep sentiment of, of everything evil. I don't know about you. I know some people love horror flicks. I hate them. Like, I can't stand to, to, to be under the spirit of fear. It's wicked. It makes you curtail and, 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 and move contrary to the courage of God. We haven't been given a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power, of authority. Not towards ruin, desolation, and desert, um, a desert place, but, but to a place of abundance, of flourishing. You can't talk about the land of Beulah until you overcome the evil one. How will we overcome Satan? The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, this struggle between good and bad, evil and righteousness is not a fight against flesh and blood. So I learned this when I first became a Christian. Every time I see evil taking territory, I'm not looking for a person. I'm not going to blame my wife, my husband. I'm not going to blame the, the, 
you know, the neighbor, the, my, my mother-in-law. I'm not going to blame my father-in-law. I'm not going to blame my sister, my brother. I'm not going to make claims on people. That's what the devil wants. You don't sit there and fight against natural bodies. Here's who you're fighting against. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We don't even know what that is. Regions where there's prince rulers of evil. Principalities against powerful forces. Those who rule in the realm of darkness in this age. Against armies, spiritual hosts. You're talking about spiritual hosts. We're talking about things that have no bodies. Spiritual armies of wickedness that have their headquarters in a heavenly realm. You're like, Pastor, I'm kind of slow. Go, go slow with this. Okay, let's go to the translation called the Living Bible. And look what the Living Bible, which is a translation of the Bible that tries to make it more uh, simpler words. And if we find the the, the living Bible, it says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and un authorities of the unseen world. There, there's, there's outside of our physical existence, there's so much twistedness. People will say, I heard a voice. Well, what did the voice say? The voice told me to kill my wife. I heard a voice. Stab my husband. Listen, I heard a voice kill my children. So you're like, where did these voices come from? How could they be so sinister and wicked? It's the devil, man. It's the devil. It's a sinister, wicked entity. And, and what... The, the things that he begins to communicate are the most crazy things. So uh, I, I've often had people come and sit in my office. I had a lady come and she brought me her 16-year-old boy. She says, and this was my law office. It wasn't even my, my, my pastor's office at my law office. She brought in her son. She says, listen, my son is hearing voices. And then I told her, yeah, there's voices speaking. And she's like, oh, man, I messed up. This lawyer's crazy, too. <laughs> You're hearing voices. The first thing you need to discern is if that voice is telling you something good or bad. And if it's telling you something bad, you rebuke Satan. Amen. He said, devil, I, I, there's no one home because I don't open the door for the devil to deliver any of his messages. He's not going to talk to me. If it's evil... And somebody told me once, they said, Pastor, how do I know if it's God speaking to me or I'm speaking to myself? I said, okay, here it's very clear. You have no good thoughts. Everything good comes from God. So every good voice, you open the door, you welcome, you say, come on in, buddy. Speak to me that which is excellent, virtuous, wise, full of wisdom, full of truth. I want to hear good things because as a man believes in his heart, so is he. And if you're listening to good things and doing what good things point you, to, guess what you become? You become a righteous person, a good person. 
There was Nikki Cruz. He says the first good thing he did uh, when, when they, the, in, in New York, uh, David Wilkerson was a preacher. He got all the gangs in an auditorium. They said, don't do that. They're going to kill you. They're going to fight each other. But he put them all in there. He started preaching them. But before he preached, he says, Nikki, he was a gang leader, pick five of your guys and pick up the offering. They said it was the largest offering they had ever picked because they used their guns. Put more money in there. Put more money. That's not enough. Put your, and people were throwing their wallets in there. So when he says, I know what this preacher is going to do, he's going to think we're going to steal the money and his preaching is about our theft, but we're going to give him all the money. He says, nobody's going to take any money. And they brought these big buckets of money up to the preacher right before he preached. And it was the first time that Nikki Cruz had done anything good. And doing good makes you feel good. And he started laughing. He goes, see, people say I'm bad, but I'm really good. (laughs) And his good act, and I want to say, your good act will overcome your evil. You do the right thing. It doesn't matter who does the right thing. Good overcomes evil all the time. And so here it is that this woman was telling me, my son is hearing voices. I said, lady, there are voices. And the voice of God should be the strongest voice in your heart and in your son's heart. And when he's hearing God and he's obeying God, you'll see the manifest glory of God. But if he hears the devil, if he hears an evil spirit, if he hears the demon, you guys are in trouble. So teach your children to hear the voice of God. Teach them not to hear the voice that tells them to sneak out at 3 o'clock in the morning. So when they hear that voice, they say, I rebuke you, Satan. Get out of my room. Get out of my life. I don't listen to rebellion and disobedience. That's the heart of Satan. But it's super important that you know we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers. Against wicked forces of darkness. Against spiritual forces of wickedness. So much energy is lost by those of us that are not fighting the devil. We fight everybody and their mother. We're in a, we're in a, a, a hell-bent direction to be angry at every person we come across. And all you have to do is be angry at Satan. Get them out of your life. Get them out of your relationships. Get them out of your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons of our warfare are not natural, but they're mighty through God to pull down every lie of the devil. We use mighty weapons. Um, The weapons of mass destruction are you listening to God and coming against the mass destruction of divorce, the mass destruction of, of single family homes, The mass destruction of selfishness, the mass destruction of pornography. When you use weapons of warfare, you're not going to allow the devil to lift these things up in your life, but you pull down. These things are mighty in God to say, devil, you are a liar. Get out of my life. Get out of my wife. Get out of my husband. We're not to think thoughts of death and destruction, but life and peace. Devil, you have no place in this. And and if you're going to listen to the Bible and you're going to listen to a verse like this, the weapons that go against this warfare are not natural, but they're mighty in God to pull down strongholds. Verse 5, 
You need to cast down arguments. They want to fly and have a place in your thoughts up to your brain. Every high thing that is exalting itself against what God says, his knowledge. Bringing every thought captive that it obeys Christ. If you obey thoughts that aren't consistent with Christ's thoughts, you will become the devil's puppet. You're just going to do it's a husband and wife. Here it goes. Husband says, you know something? I'm really sick and tired of you. That was something that the devil would tell him to tell his wife. And the wife says, yeah, but you're ugly. That's something the devil would tell a wife to tell a husband. And then the husband says, yeah, but your mother's uglier. And then they're going at it. And the devil's on each side just bombarding the hell out of, no, the heaven out of each person. The devil is, is manifesting and you're just a mere puppet of the devil because you refuse to grab arguments and cast them down. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say he's good looking. Well, you're better looking. Well, I'll take you on a date. Well, I'll up it and eat your best dessert. And then you guys will have a honeymoon and the devil will go to hell. Because you have cast down every thought, every argument, every word. If you want to fight this battle, which requires us to be courageous. I was reading a verse here before I got started. And it says like this. See if this has anything to do with it. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Be careful because if you do not fight this battle, Satan will take advantage he will posture his place in your life. Your family will become a hellhole. It will become the expression of darkness. There will be no enjoyment in that family. We, however, are not ignorant of his schemes. He's at it 24 7. He's, he's bombarding us. In Matthew chapter 4, he comes against Jesus three times. Verse 3, it says he appeared, the tempter came to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, questioning who he was, command these stones to become bread. He's going to come and, and he's going to, hey, he's going to mess with your life. He's going to try to unravel the truth in your existence of God. His schemes to question you should have never got married in the first place. Should have never had a kid. Should have never had a family. This is all the devil's work. No, it's not, my friend. Believe the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. Start proclaiming truth, and you'll overcome darkness. His word is a lamp unto our feet. Start confessing his word so the light will become obvious. Super powerful that, that while this is engaging, and while, see, right there, he tempts Jesus three times. Verse four, how does Jesus overcome? But he answered and says, it is written. If you don't know what's written in the Bible, you can't defend yourself against the lies of the devil. Because you'll say, oh, I guess you're right. Oh, I guess it's right. Oh, I guess it's right. And you just agree with him all the way to your destruction. But if you stand against him, you said, no, it is written, you shall not live by bread alone, but the words of God that proceed from his mouth. That is my nutrition. I'm not going to stay on the, on the natural realm. I'm going to see what's trying to happen in the supernatural realm. I'm going to try and fight this battle in the behind the scenes. I'm going to rebuke the devil out of my home. I'm going to cast him out. I'm going to proclaim his word. 
God's word over Satan's word. Paul would say these things in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, I fear lest the serpent with his cunningness would deceive your minds and lead you astray. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I fear somehow the devil's going to use some scheme, some conniving way to get in there to deceive you like he deceived Eve so that your mind are messed up, rotted, and that you're not able to simply serve the Lord. Man, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love God. He's so simple. I was telling my wife last night, I said, man, we enjoy each other. We, we enjoy our marriage. We, we, I, I enjoy you. I, I have a great time with you. I, I'll, I'll have a cafecito with you. Yeah, how good is God is. And, and people are trying to remove God from our lives. Who in their right mind would want God not to be a part of who they are? But the devil, it says, he's crafty. That word crafty is another word, sneaky. He tries to sneak up and, and at your best time when you're supposed to be celebrating the best day and he comes in and, and he sneaks his, his ways, his schemes into our lives to steal from us the peace of joy and the joy of God. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, no wonder Satan himself sometimes will disguise himself as an angel of light. Sometimes he will transform and just show up in an expression that you think, well, uh, this has to be like this because this, this is all I can see and, and it's clarity. And he tries to confuse you. He's the author of confusion. He himself transforms into an angel of light. This is the advice I got. This is, this is the words I got from the, the wisest person I know. Listen, if it's not according to God's words, the Lord rebuked that man. These things are spiritually discerned. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person that is not looking at these things through the Spirit cannot accept them because these things come from the Spirit of God. Satan doesn't have a body. You can't punch him in the nose. You can't give him a black eye. The natural man does not receive the things from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. I'm not going to rebuke no devil. I'm going to be talking to myself. You better learn how to rebuke the devil and rebuke him well over your family, over your marriage, over your finances. Because he'll strip you from everything. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, can't be acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible describes the devil in Revelations 12.9 as the great dragon, the old serpent, called Satan, the devil. The last book of the Bible. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan. He deceives the whole world. A lot of people can't see what we're talking about this morning. I thank God you're in the house of God today. Amen. I thank God you're listening to the word of God from the man of God. Amen. That you might see and escape. The whole world is, is deceived through this man. And he was cast to the earth in the angel. A third of the angels were cast down with him. Who is this man? John chapter 8 verse 44. He's the father of all lies. He's a murderer. You are of your father the devil. The desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources. He is a liar 
and the father of all lies. When I'm confronting a spiritual battle, the first thing I say is, devil, you're a liar. That, that really shoots everything off. You're a liar. This is not true, number one. Not only are you a liar, you invented all lies. You're a good liar. You're sneaky. There's no truth in you. What you're trying to make me think, how you're trying to make me to move in the direction I'm going, I'm not. There's a, a, a testimony we had about five years ago. My kids were in high school, and they started talking to me real bad about their Bible teacher. Oh, he's a jerk, and he's talking bad about you, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. By the time January came, it was August to January, I wanted to beat the guy up. So in January, I had a thought. I said, all this is a lie of the devil. I'm going to invite this guy next Sunday. He's going to preach here at church. I didn't tell my kids nothing. So when the Bible teacher came and he preached on Sunday morning, they looked at me, and they're like, because I wasn't going to walk in the lies of Satan. I'm not going to allow him to create my truth. And it was a great blessing. And ever since that day, there's been no more animosity. Because the devil comes to bring strife and affliction and separation and lies and dirt and cheat. The Bible says there in Revelations chapter 12 verse 10 that he is an accuser of the brethren. He says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. The devil's like, did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what so-and-so said? When you, when you start going back and forth between what so-and-so said and what they didn't say and all this stuff, the devil has you guys going furious because that's his expertise. And when you're accusing somebody else of what they're doing, you become a partner of the devil. You start accusing them like the devil wants to accuse them. And that's not your role. That is not your role. First Thessalonians 2.18. Paul says, we wanted to come to you and have a relationship. Again and again, we tried. We wanted to come. We wanted to do it time and again, but Satan kept on putting obstacles. He kept on putting things in the way that, that hindered their progress of being together. Super important that that you understand that he doesn't give up. It's not one time that he's gonna hinder you, he's gonna do it again and again. Luke chapter four, verse 13, Luke writes these words, and he says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus three times, he departed from him until he can find another opportunity. So he says, great, we had a great day on Sunday, Monday's gonna be better, guess what? The devil's gonna come. Oh, Tuesday will be better. Devil will leave us alone. And Thursday he'll show up. Oh, we beat the devil this summer. We had no fight. And all of a sudden the fall comes and the devil shows up. So you're going to be fighting the rest of your life, my friend. You're going to be fighting. But fight against who you know who to fight. And fight them like you know how to fight. These opportune times are tricky times. Listen to what it says. When the devil had finished, ended every temptation against Jesus, he left him alone until he can find the right opportunity. 
So the devil's looking for a strategic attack. He's not going to attack you just anywhere. He's going to look when you're tired, when there's a fight, when there's an argument, when, when, when something good is happening. He, he's strategic. So you need to be even more strategic. You have to be more careful on how you could overcome his craziness. So sometimes I'm tired. I said, man, when I'm tired, so for, listen, for women, it's when they're hungry. That's when the devil says, okay, come on, let's go get these girls. <laughs> there's, there's things over there, they say, uh, it's, it's this time of month, forget about that, devil, I'll rebuke you in Jesus' name. So be careful when he feels that he has the strength to attack you. When you haven't been in a church in a while, when you haven't prayed, when you haven't read your Bible, he knows the time where he's going to attack you. And he's going to give it all you got. I was saying in, in Peru at a conference, I said, the devil doesn't want to take your kid to a nightclub. He doesn't want to take him to Ultra to hear a concert. He wants to kill your kid. Don't be foolish with that. I, I'm always constantly looking and saying, where is the devil trying to sneak his tail in to wipe out one of my children? And so I'll call from time to time. I'll say, hey, listen, the devil's on your coattails, buddy. He wants you. Don't give him any room. Don't give him. I love this verse. We're going to talk about, about Jesus. He says, when the devil came to arrest him, it says, he says, the devil is coming and he has nothing on me. Super powerful. I don't know if I have that verse here. But, but um, as he was going to be crucified, he tells his believer, here it is, John 14, 30. He says, the time is coming where I won't be able to speak to you no more. I will no longer be able to share with you for the ruler of this world is coming. Listen to these glorious words. And he has found nowhere to come in. He has nowhere he can attack me because I got all my bases covered. I think that we can learn from Jesus. He's coming at us, but he has nothing on me. He can't. He can't come in because every door is closed. Every window is shut. There is no opportunity for him to do his work in my life. That's what Jesus was saying. And it's super powerful to hear him saying these words. He's coming after me, but he can't find nothing on me. 1 Peter 5.8 says, make sure that you're careful and be vigilant because the devil, your adversary, he's roaming about like a lion walking Seeking whom he may devour. I've seen these, these of African lions. And they just, they just take their time. And the idiot buffalo doesn't even know. And this guy, like a lion, he's just creeping on him. And, and in one second, it's too late. Because you're not supposed to be a dodo bird and walk into a pride of lions. Because they're going to devour you. Stay far from those areas where he is devouring people. Be clear of that. The power of Jesus in Colossians 2.15 says he disarmed these rulers and authorities. He took all their weapons away. He made public example of them. He triumphed over Satan and made him a public spectacle. That's my favorite verse in the entire Bible. The Lord Jesus went down to hell and told the devil, give me the keys of everything you're doing bad. Now I'm the owner of the shop. And he slapped him twice, made him a public spectacle in front of all his demons, and says, now I'm the king of king and the Lord of lords. 
I rule and reign on high above all principalities and powers. And all this authority he's given to us, his church, his people. Colossians, and we're going to finish with this verse, chapter 1, verse 12. It's the cross. The cross brought to us this salvation. Giving thanks to the Father, God, who qualified us to be partakers of a great inheritance of the saints that walk in light. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And he's brought us to the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14. He delivered us from the power of darkness. And in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins at the cross. Let's stand this afternoon now or morning and, and say, Lord, make me courageous. Today, evil has been unveiled. I see the face of Satan. I see principalities and powers and evil forces and hosts of darkness. They, you don't, don't think for a second. Let me tell you something. Don't think for a second that the devil is not willing to give you a full paid vacation, a five-star hotel, everything good, $5 million in the bank to take you to hell. He's not sitting with a little, with horns and a pitchfork and, 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 and brouhaha and trying to scare you. He will wine and dine you into the pit of hell. Well, one of the verses that I have here, which is a powerful verse, is that self-pity that a lot of people use. And that in that self-pity, the devil is not going to come to scare you and, and to bring you at a place. Matthew 16, 22, um, Jesus' best friend puts his arm around him. Peter tells Jesus, hey, could I talk to you a second? He, he walks him over. He says, uh, let me talk to you a second. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Hey, man, you, you really shouldn't do this thing about the cross and about crucifixion and give your life. Are you crazy? Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. I don't want you to, to go put nails in your hands and to live a horrible life. And he's, he's whining and dining Jesus with words of pitiful affection. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't see the pity party. He doesn't see tricky words. He doesn't see compassion. When he pulls on his spiritual glasses and discerns what's taking place, verse 23, he says, and Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. The devil was using Peter's mouth. Jesus' best friend was walking in a sentiment that allowed the devil to use his words. And Jesus says, it's not Peter, it's the devil using Peter to make me not go give my life. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling to me, for you're not thinking heavenly thoughts. You're not mindful of the things of God. You're thinking like a man thinks. You're thinking natural things. You don't have a spiritual understanding of what's taking place. You don't see what the devil's doing. You're thinking that this is something natural. So we, we see this in the life of Jesus. I don't doubt that in our lives it's present also. I, I don't doubt that the devil is constantly trying to trip us up and trying to, to, to pull hard. Listen, one of the areas where the devil pulls the hardest is in the area of your emotions. 
he stirs up your emotions to walk in a direction that's contrary to God. So tell them, devil, don't, don't move my emotions. I, I need to move by the spirit of God. I'm going to pray about this, get a word from the Lord, and I'm going to obey. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And it's almost 99% of the time it will be different than what you would have done based on you, how you felt. The devil wants you to feel things. Oh, I really feel about this. Quit feeling. Obey. Obey God's word. And when you start obeying God's word, all these expressions of lust, of pride, of greed, are not going to have any power on you. You're going to be walking in the victory of God. And, and that's the whole purpose of why we share this. I had a friend of mine says, Pastor, you're trying to scare me into these things. I go, no, I'm not. If, if, if there was an 18-wheeler going down the highway, I said, hey, mister, there's an 18-wheeler coming down at 80 miles an hour. You better get out of the highway. Oh, you're just telling me to scare me. I said, no, I'm not telling you to scare you. I'm telling you because you're going to be a flat pancake, my friend. And when you don't listen to God, I'm not trying to scare you. The devil's going to have you for lunch, my friend. He's just going to fulfill what he desires, which is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And God's goodness is that he would speak to us and give us a warning. So, Father, today we thank you for having been in the house of God, for having heard your voice and listened to your word. Make your Holy Spirit minister reality to our hearts that we not walk in sin or in the direction of the evil that our hearts are tended towards but towards righteousness towards truth towards blessing towards peace we pray that you would be exalted above all of our enemies that you would triumph gloriously O oh god in every area where evil is trying to come in like a flood, you have promised to lift up a standard against him. Lift up a banner, Lord, that we might walk at the height, the depth, and the width of your love. Perfect love cast out all evil, all fear. We pray that we would take our walk in you so seriously that we would see a harvest of peace, joy, and righteousness. We pray that you would cover us with the blood of Jesus. Some people think that the devil is not playing for keeps, but he is. He continues to take lives, destroy families, marriages, steal finances, riches, wealth, fortunes. We pray that you would take care of us, Lord, and that you would rebuke Jesus, or you would rebuke Satan in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that you would give us the victory and allow us to walk in your purpose, your provision. We give you thanks for today's word and that it might be fruitful in our lives, that we might overcome evil with good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.